asmadacharya paryantam vande guru paramparam ishvaro guratmeti murti beda vibhagine vyomavadya pradeyaya dakshinamurtaye namaha sarva vedanta siddhanta gocharam tamagocharam govindam paramanandam satguru pranatoshmyam om shri krishna govinda narayana so the verse was if you forget that every person is consciousness yourself only selfish passion remains so we talked about this difference between self and selfishness when you are motivated by selfishness you know it's when you're only thinking of yourself when it's all about me right you are indifferent to the happiness of others right you don't care about what others happiness you're only interested in yourself it's, it's just giving a definition of it now the next chat chapter 2 is the glory of the highest devotion it's called the glory of the highest devotion and uh is talking going to compare uh a few ideas and so in the first statement is verse 25 non dual devotion is superior to karma yoga and jnana yoga so that's why on the chart huh we have non dual at the top and we have jnana yoga below it and then karma yoga below that and and why is it superior it's a simple argument because uh karma yoga and jnana <coughs> yoga are means to an end huh they're not the goal the end is what non dual love now you will always sacrifice the means for the end now just mention that there's these people who think vedanta is the solution so they they get attached to vedanta and they study vedanta like crazy well vedanta is only a means to the end vedanta we throw that out too i was just telling sus here we have to, we throw out the self also because the self is just a teaching what is just a word that helps us to discriminate there because the 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 dwaita the dualists they think there's an eternal self and then they think there's what a separate eternal self the jiva is an eternal self and the self is an eternal self now in terms of that statement what's what's the essential factor eternal the word eternal is what's essential that's what's common to both and what are the non-essential factors self and jiva self in other words the self and the individual those are not eternal factors understand so so we can throw out the whole vedanta teaching the whole self teaching we don't you don't sit around chatting vedanta all day long once you realize who you are you throw vedanta away because you got the goal which is what your whole and complete non-dual love you're just 
clear, aware consciousness without a, bu a bunch of thoughts uh, clouding your identity, without a bunch of actions and beliefs and thoughts and opinions clouding your identity. You're just present and aware, like a baby. That's why they say in the scriptures that these wise people are like madmen or children. <laughs> no. They're beautiful. Mad people are really beautiful in a way. And children are beautiful. Because they aren't always thinking. They're just uh, they're just present. They may be crazy mentally or, or, or stupid like children. But they're beautiful because they're not cluttered by concept, conceptual uh, apparatus. So, so karma yoga and yana yoga are what? Are means to an end. They're not the goal. And, so, and you have to, you need to appreciate that. That's why we say, that's why this teaching is that the Vedanta is a means of knowledge. Vedanta is not a philosophy or, or, or a permanent practice. It's a, it's a means to it's a means of knowledge. After all, then he says, verse twenty six. After all, non dual love is the fruit of our endeavors. And there's what you really want. The result is what the non dual love. You don't care about what gets you there. When you drive a car to uh, when you drive a car home after work, do you drive the car in the house? You drive it up to the to the uh, dinner table and, and 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 eat out through the window and then drive it into your bedroom and uh, drive it into bed and then sleep in the uh, in the car in the bed. No, you don't. You put it in the garage and you forget it. Then you go home and enjoy. You enjoy your meal. You enjoy your dinner. Enjoy your sleep and also and so forth and so on. Because the car just got you there. It was a vehicle. So, what you care about is the love. The, uh, the appreciation of what you previously didn't appreciate. Now, I appreciate that my nature is love. And what? And he says, and furthermore, it's going to give you another argument. The Lord means the self dislikes the proud, dislikes proud people, and what? Is pleased with humble people. What does that mean? Now, that means you like yourself better when you're humble than when you're claiming how, you're proclaiming how wonderful you are. That's what that means. You like yourself a lot better because why? When you start making claims, you start claiming something that belongs to God. Huh? You start feeling guilty because you're taking something that, to yourself that actually belongs to God. All the glory goes to God. None of the glory goes to me. Understand? Because God's the one that uh, creates, sustains, and destroys the whole thing. I'm totally what dependent on God. I'm nobody without God. How can I even claim anything? I don't want to claim anything. I don't want to take anything for myself. I want to, I, huh? I give credit where credit is due. 
Huh? The Lord gets all the credit here. I don't want to take credit. Understand? If you do, you're not going to like yourself. Now, many other people will like you. Somebody was telling tell me about this uh, this young guy. This well, there's a lot of them. I won't even mention the names. But a lot of these people that are famous in the spiritual world, they take all the credit. And they get big followings. Why do they get big followings? And they make outrageous claims. They say, I control the weather. I, what else were there? What were the other things? There, oh, I can move mountains. I can move mountains. Levitate. Huh? I can levitate. I can levitate. I, like all, all that. They make all these, these huge claims. And people follow them like crazy. Why? Because they want to make those kind of claims. They're too, they're too, they don't have the balls to lie like that. Hmm? They'd love to have the, the balls to do it, but they don't. So when they see, it's like Donald Trump. Why didn't they elect Donald Trump? Because he makes all these great claims. And he's a proxy for all these unfulfilled desires of these small people who want to be big and have a trophy wife and millions of dollars in their own jets and boss people around. Huh? So like 60 million people vote for Donald Trump, even though he's a scoundrel, even though he's a total fraud, a total fake. They love him. You hate yourself when you claim something for yourself. You don't like yourself. That's what it means. That's the meaning of that verse. Uh, yourself knows you're faking it. Mm -hmm. And you know yourself knows. Huh? And you're ashamed of yourself for doing it. It's very hard to teach Vedanta because for you know, because people come up and say, You great teacher and all that sort of stuff. You know, I could get really puffed up. And really think I was something special. But what do I do when you tell me I'm wonderful? I just pass it on to Ishwar right away. Huh? What, whatever praise or, or condemnation, if you don't like me and you come and tell me off, I pass it on to Ishwar too. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but the good stuff I definitely hand on to, off to Ishwar. I'd say, well, actually, it's not my teaching. This is all glory goes to God. And even if, if I don't say that physically to you, that's what I think. So, because uh, I don't want my ego to grow up and think I'm a big cheese and important and all that sort of stuff. Understand? That's called bhakti. Acknowledging the source. It's the same. So, Because if you do, what happens? You have your spiritual crash. And I've mentioned, that you, you know, I, most of you people are kind of innocent about the history of the spirit, modern spiritual world, maybe. But boy, it's littered with the corpses of, of vain, proud people. It's just, the, the, huh? the graveyard is full of, of these vain, arrogant, mostly men, uh, but a, a number of women also. Uh, who, who made big claims uh, and who came crashing down because they got proud. Uh, I tell you, 
there's a beautiful verse in Messiah in Handel's Messiah where they're singing about the Lord. And, and the verse says, and he, meaning the Lord, makes the rough places plain. So we're, it's like a big planer. You know what a planer is? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have, when you go to take wood from a sawmill, it's rough. And so there's little bumps in it and knots, and it's not smooth. And so, and a planer is a, is a machine, and you put the, and it's like this, <laughs> and you force, put the board in. I worked on a planer one time. And you put the board in there, and it just it just takes off everything and makes the thing totally smooth and flat. And and so Handel says in the Messiah, and the Lord makes the rough places plain. That means if you stick your head up, Yeshua's going to cut it off. Huh? You can count on it. It may take time. That's Schadenfreude, huh? You know Schadenfreude? Huh? <coughs> Doesn't everybody have Trump schadenfreude? Huh? Can't you just wait for him to get his head cut off? Huh? Huh? You're just hoping that the next election, huh, he gets voted out of office by a big margin. Hmm? And then you're going to rejoice. Ah, that son of a bitch. He deserves it. Huh? And you'll feel good at his misfortune. Right? Not see the mighty how they fall, huh? So don't don't act big. Don't stick your head up. Keep your head down and just just like a little mouse, just go along, just nibbling on the little bits. Huh? You'll live a long time, and you'll be happy. Is the idea here? Some say that's, and they say some meaning some of the great teachers of non-dual devotion. Some say that knowledge is the mean for developing devotion. So it means what? The more you know about God, the more you love God. And, uh, uh, and some say that what? Others say that knowledge and devotion are mutually interdependent, like a cause and effect. So that means what? The more you love God, the more you want to know about God. Huh? Isn't it? The more God knowledge you get, the more you want to know. The more you love God, huh? the more God knowledge you want. So, so they're all working together, the intellect and the heart. Your, your love and your, your understanding can grow together. It should grow together. So love God more and you'll be more interested in God. You'll study more about God. You'll listen to more South Sons and think more about God. And the more you think about God, the more you're going to love God because you're going to discover that God's the most beautiful thing there is and that God's not separate from you. See, what, what these Dwaitas, these dualists, their problem is they can't accept their own glory as God. They, 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 they get stuck in humility. And we said, you can be humble and glorious at the same time without being proud. Uh, so, it's a, it's a difficult concept. You think, well, I can't say I'm God because then I'm claiming something for myself. But if you know what God is, you know you're not claiming it for the ego. huh? You know the difference between your ego and God. And your ego, what? 
and your knowledge of God keeps your ego humble. But they think they're their egos, so they know it's wrong to claim that they're God, and they think anybody that says, I'm God, is a huge, big, egocentric person. And most of them are, that's the problem. Most of the people who say they're God don't behave like God at all. Yeah, so... I think it, uh, there's no word of God on top of your uh, graphic design. That's God. That's yeah, but, yeah, but, but Maya, I want Maya. to say we have Ishra on the level of Maya. Yeah. So I think you're talking the whole time about the Ishwara to, let's say, the God on the level of Maya, because we... If we identify with God, we are not we are not the creator in that way. Well, so that's it's right. So it's not better to say to use the Ishwara too in this concept. Well, okay, but is Ishwara? Uh, that's that's true. You're right, but you're wrong. You're right mm -hmm. and you're wrong. Sure. Okay, because is Ishwara two different from Ishwara one? Ishwara 2 is Ishwara 1 plus Maya. Yeah. So this is God. The self is God plus the creative power. Subtract the creative power and you have God. But the, but Maya can't create without God. In other words, huh? in other words, consciousness or existence is required for what? For creation. But consciousness and existence doesn't create. Maya, huh? the, the joining of the two causes the creation. So what's the common factor? Think Just always think of the common factor. Eliminate the non-essential factor and retain the what? The invariable factor. What is the common factor? Awareness. Ishwara. Ishwara 1 and Ishwara 2. Subtract 1 and 2 and what do you have? Ishwara. It's all Ishwara. There's only God. There's only God. <laughs> you just have to know that 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 the self, huh? That there's there's a part you could call it a part, but there's no parts of God, obviously. But there's a part of God that doesn't create, and there's a part that does. Huh? You just need to know the difference. The creative part we call Ishwara. But how is Ishwara mm -hmm. going to create without uh, without awareness, without e existence? Unless it exists, unless it's aware, or conscious, you can't create. Understand? Yeah, Alan. What helps me in this process again is, is, is the jiva, the wave, the ocean, God, yeah. creator, and the water. Yeah, the water is common. The water, the self-existence awareness. Yeah. So, like my Master Eckhart said, you know, the ground yeah. of my soul yeah. is the same like the ground of God. Yeah, that's right. There and you they go. They meet in the ground. Yeah. So, therefore, I don't have the trouble with God, you know. Yeah. In the form of, oh, I'm God, I'm the creator. No, I can't create, I can't, you know. Yeah. Whatever creative power the jiva has is borrowed from God. So, and it's the same power, but it's just limited. It's a small power. The creative power that you have is your free will. That's your creative power. That get you choice. You can so you can choose. You can choose. Animals don't have creative power because they don't have free will. 
plants and animals don't have free will, so they don't have the creative power. But gee, you know, that's why the Christians and in the, in the religion they say man is created in the image of God. It's a reflected. It's a reflection. Now, what's the what's the what's the the difference between a re, the reflection and the original? There is a difference, isn't there? Between the reflection and the original. But what's the same? Original. Light. The, the sun produces light, and the moon huh, reflects light. Now, the reflected light of the moon doesn't have the same power that the, that the power of the sun, does it? It's very, it's very limited. The sun has all power, doesn't it? So the sun's the source and what of the light, and what? And the, the mind, or the jiva, is what? Is the reflector. So that's why they say man is cast in the image of God. Man is an image of God. Well, what is the same for in both man and God? Light. Awareness. Because <laughs> God can't create without awareness, and jiva can't create without awareness. Jiva can't exercise his free will unless it's aware. So the common factor, the non-difference between man and God is what? Is awareness or existence. The difference is the, uh, the, the equipment. In other words, the subtle body. And what we have to do is to separate our mind huh, in our thinking from the word I. Understand? That's all. I didn't say that's all. That's not easy. <laughs> not that it's not easy knowledge-wise. It's, it's difficult experientially because I'm habituated to think of myself, when I say the word I, I'm habituated to think of my, my mind and my body as my I. Like, like if, 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 somebody, if somebody, somebody is a germaphobe, and you touch them. I have a friend in, in, in India. He's, I don't know why he lives in India. But he's, <laughs> there's two kind of obsessive compulsives. There's the checkers and the, and the germaphobes. It's all fear. Both of them are just fear-oriented people. And, and he, he, if when you touch them, what do they say? Don't touch me! Right? They, they think that when you're touching their body... You're touching them. What? Because uh, he, he, he solved the problem. He, started, he hasn't completely solved it, but he's got his dirty days. So to get over this obsession, this fear, uh, he, 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 one day a week he has a dirty day. And that means you can touch him and he can touch other things. <laughs> and then if he can survive, if he can still survive that dirty day, then he knows that maybe he could survive two dirty days and become a normal person. <laughs> I had another guy, it took him an hour to get out of the house to go to work. So he had to leave the house at 8 o'clock, but he had to start leaving the house at 7 o'clock because he had to check everything like ten times before he could actually lock the door to the house. Now he can walk out normally, but it took him about five years to get over that fear. That, huh? 
Anyway, so Ishwara 1 and Ishwara 2, huh? It's all God, but one is that God without the creative power, and the other is God with the creative power. That's all. But Narada says, what does Narada say? Narada is the author of this book. And Narada was a, 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 a non-dual bhakta, a non-dual devotee. But he lived in a world of devotees, and so he knew what Dwaita Bhakti was and how it related to Advaita Bhakti. So, but Narada says that devotion is its own fruit. In other words, what does that mean? Just love. Forget all this fancy stuff. Every, everything you do with love is satisfying. And, yeah? That's all. So just do everything with love and you're good to go. And don't worry about the rest. It'll all make sense as you go along. See, you see, see how difficult this is because here, huh? Because love demands what? Demands total acceptance and total uh, trust and total what? Giving, total, yeah, total giving. Whereas selfishness, the selfish principle, that's uh, that's fear-based, isn't it? Fear is a contraction. Fear makes you contract. Love is like, here I am. Take whatever you want. There's no threat. And the difference is would disappear too if you practice love all the time, right? Like instead yeah. of identifying yourself yeah. with your limited self-ego, you expand in a way that you recognize everything you see as yourself. Yeah, and so it, it's, it's having the same effect at the end. Yeah, right? it's a, yeah. If, if you love somebody, they love you back right away. They don't have any choice because the self loves you back. The self recognizes itself and it responds. If, if you respond aggressively with anger or fear or desire, huh? then what, what power is that going to invoke in you? Mm -hmm. Anger, fear, and desire, and you're going to get that energy back, aren't you? If you're angry and you, 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 you communicate with somebody, you will get anger back. <laughs> so you just, just start loving. That's all. And just keep going and you'll just, you have no idea how your whole life will just transform. Everything will be like magic. And you'll know it's not magic. You know you're living on love. And you know love's looking after you. Because who doesn't want to be loved? Huh? Who doesn't want to be loved? Raise your hand. Yeah, nobody raises their hand. Everybody wants to be loved. So if you love everybody, everybody loves you. I mean, come on. And the, wheel, the wheels of life are greased nicely then. Whereas if it's all about me, you know, sometimes you're doing all right, but often, you know, you have all these problems. But now I just says it. 
Oh, this is good. This is pretty subtle now. <laughs> so, in, in the verse 30. Uh, by the way, I have a, a, uh, anybody who, who wants this in English, I actually have English copies. So I realized I had them upstairs. I didn't want to bring them out because I wanted you guys to buy the Yoga Vidya ones in German. <laughs> but if you want it in English, I have copies up, upstairs. I'll bring it down. Uh, you know, if you don't want the German one, or you don't, you're not comfortable in German, or whatever. Uh, so, uh, uh, action can't produce non-dual devotion. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't. Uh, action will only produce dual devotion. If you do something for somebody, they'll do something back. Uh, uh, if you love somebody, uh, they have no choice. The love just comes right back at you. And if it doesn't come back, it's fine because the love is its own reward. Huh? The fact that you love them is all that matters. And whether it comes back or not doesn't matter. And what self-knowledge can't produce non-dual devotion either, can it? Huh? We're saying, well, you need to get self-knowledge to get non-dual bhakti. Is that, is that right? No, it's not right, is it? Why not? Because you are love. Because you already are love. That's right. Absolutely. All, all, what does self-knowledge do? Removes yeah, it removes ignorance. Good for you guys. You're getting it. Cool. It removes the ignorance. It doesn't produce the love. Love's your nature. It's only the ignorance that's keeping you from appreciating your nature. But you're always experiencing non-dual love because you are non-dual love. You just don't know it. And so you need self-knowledge to get rid of the ignorance. Bliss is love. Love is bliss. And hate is love. We already covered that. Benny said, he gives another example. It's kind of a dumb example. Um, but we'll, we'll I, I don't like it anyway, but since I'm a teacher, I have to teach all the verses, so I'll teach the verse. Uh, it's, it's okay. 31, for example, dinner in the palace of a king. Just as a king is not satisfied by merely observing his palace from afar, but lives in it, a hungry person is not satisfied by the mere, sight, the mere sight of food. So Vedanta gives you the sight of the food, but you want to taste the food, right? You want to, huh? <laughs> Therefore, seekers of liberation should take the devotion. And in fact, that's, that's what Krishna tells Arjuna in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, which is the chapter on devotion, and which is the basis of that previous chart. And he reverses the order. <laughs> he, he puts uh, dualistic devotion at the top and non-dual devotion at the bottom. Why, it, it, when you first read that, you think, oh my God, this guy, what's he doing here? It's really confusing, you know, if you don't, if you haven't been taught properly, and you don't think about it clearly. Because why, why would he tell Arjuna that 
worshiping, you know, not that dualistic devotion, worshiping God is what is is the best is the is the best path. Because it's ignorant? No, because it's the best path for him. Yeah. <laughs> Not because it's the best path. And he doesn't want to tell him that you're at the lowest level and you mm -hmm. need to go to the highest level. It's going to discourage him. Yeah. So, huh? so, so he tells him, this is the best path for you. He doesn't say for you. He just said, this is the best path. Because hmm? if he says for you, then what happens? He, then Arjuna's going to say, well, what about for other people? Because, huh? huh? Then he's going to consider himself and other people if he doesn't want to do that. And he's going to want to get non-dual love, but he can't, he can't get that instantly. That. you got to whirl through the steps. Huh? If, you can, if you can't love the people around you and you can't love your own imperfections, you're never going to get free. So you better just get on with it and just start loving. That's what Nard is saying. Stop messing around and just get on with it. And, and there's there's no shortage of love, is there? You think when you love somebody, you're losing love? Is that what you think? You think by giving love, you're losing love? The sort you huh? It's an inexhaustible source. You can't. You could give away billions of billions of trillions of of love bits, huh? Of love, and it wouldn't exhaust the source at all. The source is infinite. So by giving love, you're not losing love. Well, people like think, think like that. Well, I haven't got time to love you. I love my wife and my kids. I'm too busy to love you. I have no time for a love relationship. I love my wife and my kids. That's so bullshit, huh? The love the you are inexhaustible. You're infinite. There's no huh? There's no bottom to the love the love well. This is, the ocean has no bottom. <laughs> so, get on with it. That's what he's saying. Therefore, therefore, what's the conclusion? Seekers of love should take to bhakti, devotion. Chapter 3. Oh, I better slow down or we're going to run out of the text before we... <laughs> 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 that was a short chapter. Great chapter. Chapter 3, verse 78. <clears throat> it says, Chapter 3 presents the formal dualistic practices required for achieving unconditional love and emphasizes the value of values in the pursuit of liberation. So now we're down to the nitty-gritty here. Yeah. Now we're down to the sadness. That's the means. Uh, no, I don't want to do the means. I want the end. Well, good luck. Good luck, because you, you're not going to get the means without doing, you know, the end without doing the means. That's all. So, so what does that mean? That means I got to change my life. It says there's a. A statement earlier, Shankara makes that statement, and it's throughout the, the Vedanta text. And the statement is this, don't forget this. A non-conforming lifestyle prevents non-dual love. Mm -hmm. Prevents the... Uh, 
freedom or non-doing. Uh, a non-conforming lifestyle prevents it. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's too bad. I want to keep the life just as it is and get the non-dual love. Well, it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. You keep those vasanas, those worldly vasanas going, huh? and you're not going to get there. It's as simple as that. It's the same in karma yoga. You can't just practice karma yoga as an attitude without doing karma yoga as action. You have to do the actions to support the attitude, or what? Or the vasanas just keep crank, cranking out the pain, the suffering. Not possible. So, so you got to what? Get to work. That's why people don't like Vedanta, because we, we, don't, we don't sugarcoat it, and we don't tell you it's easy. We tell you, you gotta, you got to do the work, and we we got the 5, 10, 15 rule. Five years for for Shravana, 10 years for Manana, and 15 years for Nididhyasana. So basically, lifetime commitment. So you're screwed. You, know? you either sign on and you do it, or go somewhere else. This is serious business. You know, you'll do your profession professionally, won't you? How, how many years will you take to become a doctor or a lawyer? Ten years? Yes. Yeah, but ten years. You'll, you'll put in ten years to become a doctor or a lawyer so you can make money and support yourself and have a nice lifestyle. Are you ready to put ten years into freedom and non-dual love? You, huh? Good for you. If you are, you're, huh? you're good to go. As long as it takes. That's all. It may not take 10 years. It may not take 5 years. It may, who knows? 40. You, huh? <laughs> it might take 40 years. It might take 40. You don't know. I, 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 there's this beautiful, I meet the most beautiful people in the Vedanta world. And I, I met a guy in the 80s. I met two or three, actually. But one guy was particularly lovely, you know. He said... This came a little late, but he said, I, I never experienced, I didn't realize that I'd have to wait 80 years to, to be happy, but now I'm happy. So he, he, he hung in there, and when he was 82, he heard the Vedanta, and he obviously was prepared, and he immediately was set free by it. But, you know, he stuck with it. He went through his whole life. So some people are lucky. I was lucky because I, I, I suffered so much at a young age that I, I, really, I really developed an incredible hatred for the world. I really, you know, I wouldn't call it hatred, I call it disgust. I was totally disgusted with the world and with the way I was relating to the world. I was ashamed of myself. And, and I was disgusted by how gross and disgusting the world was, how selfish and ugly and vain and nasty and violent it was. I hated it. So I had that, that good luck. And by that time, and so I was never going to go back and fall in love that way again 
or to, to chase what money like I did or to behave like I did before. I, you know, I had a big wake-up call. I said, I'd never do that. And, uh, and, and Ishwar gave me a beautiful epiphany uh, to sort of drive that point home. And, and, and since I was pretty young and, and had really decided those vasanas were not going to deliver the kind of joy that I thought they were when I was younger, uh, I, I am, and, I, and then within a short time, I met Swamiji. And I, I, I just dedicated myself every single day totally to it with nothing, with absolutely no, nothing else. I, uh, absolutely no other thought in my mind except moksha. And so it was only a matter of two or three years before this teaching set me free. But the longer you wait, hmm? now maybe, maybe you could, you know, there's an argument like that, you know, that those things will just drop off over time. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the longer you wait, usually the more deeply entrenched your vastness become. Somebody was telling me the other day about this person who's been seeking and following gurus and for 50 years, 55 years or something like that. And he still hasn't found it, even though he's had the darshan of great saints. Even one great saint took care of him when he was young. Huh? The great Mahatma took care of him, fed him, and took him around and looked after him and gave him teachings and all that sort of thing. And, and, and he's still, huh? he's still, and now he just says, well, I, I, yeah, I'm really just an intellectual. I never was able to, to accomplish it. He had, had, and he, and he, he's clung to a belief about, about moksha that was obviously patently false. And, and in fact, he tried to convince me that my teaching about, that the traditional teaching about moksha was not the right teaching. Even though, obviously, it's the right teaching because people tell me, I don't know, but people tell me that it sets them free. So, And I know it set me free. So, you know. He wanted me to believe a different teaching, which is an impossible teaching. And he, his ego steadfastly clung to that teaching. He wouldn't listen to the argument. I, I had a long email exchange with him. He wouldn't appreciate or listen to my argument because he, uh, he just didn't want to let go of, of the notion that he was, uh, uh, you know, that he was going to lose his, his individuality, his personality when he gained moksha, that he had to die and had to experience nothingness. Huh? The, he believed that there's no world when you're a, a, an enlightened person. Of course there's a world. The world's, <laughs> world has nothing to do with whether you're enlightened or not. Ishwar doesn't know if you're enlightened or not enlightened. Ishwar doesn't care. The world's, Ishwar keeps the world going anyway. The world disappears when you know it's mitya. It doesn't disappear physically. That's what he thought. And you see him. I remember seeing him in, in India. I, there was one disciple of Osho's. And he was an Osho clone. He was a very interesting guy, actually. I, I liked him. But uh, he had the zombie walk. You know? You know the zombie walk? 
You ever seen? You ever seen these girls? Huh? Just like initial. I'm pretending I'm walking. Now, what's the statement? What is the statement he's trying to make? I'm so not here. I'm so there. I'm so beyond that this body's like a zombie being walked by God, and I'm beyond it. I don't even see the world. There's no world for me. And he had, he walked like a zombie and he had like five or six little clones who dressed exactly like he did. And they all walked behind him in a line like zombies. Can you imagine? Huh? Can you imagine? Actually, in, in, in real life, I saw this. I'm like, what? You think the Eiffel Tower is a wonder? <laughs> you think the space station is a wonder? That's no wonder. It's a wonder to see a person that's that ridiculous. Truth is way stranger than fiction. <laughs> what people do, I mean, my God, what they're willing to believe, it's, it's awesome. Huh. What? When Ishwara don't care if you are enlightened or not, why is it uh, Ishwara the last factor when you get moksha? Because when you have all the qualifications, then it takes time and when... Well, Ishwara doesn't care, but Ishwara can care, can it? Ishwara doesn't care, but Ishwara will care, what? If what? Think about it now. If Ishwara is infinite, Ishwar is capable of caring, isn't it? It's capable of mercy and caring and responding. If you say that Ishwar can't respond, then what? Ishwar is not free, is it? No? Think about it. So Ishwar definitely can care, and Ishwar definitely can respond. But what? Ishwar is not going to respond unless you what? You tell Ishwar what your problem is. <laughs> now, how are you, how are you going to communicate with Ishwara? By your actions and your thoughts. Ishwara is karma paladata. So I start chanting the name of the Lord. Huh? I start studying Vedanta, and what's going to happen? You're forcing Ishwara to give you the fruit that you want. If I want to rob a store then uh, uh, Ishwar will send a bunch of criminals and they'll show me how to use a gun and how to stick people up and I'll start robbing banks. Ishwar will give me the means for what? For gaining my end. <laughs> but if I, want, if I want money and I'm not ready to do the action, uh, I'm robbing a bank in my mind, that's not going to give me real money. I'm going to get real money if I learn how to, you know, be a strong arm robber. Same with the Vedanta here. If I pray to Ishwara, if I do the actions, if I do my karma yoga, if I do my chanting, if I do my scripture study, if I change my life, I start simplifying and sat my life, 
then what are you going to get? Ishwar is going to give me those results. Ishwar is intelligent. It responds. But it doesn't need to respond. Why? Because it's all incomplete. And Ishwar is serving me. Isn't that right? That's why we say Bhakta Bhaktiman. Bhakta Bhaktiman means what? Ishwar is the devotee of the devotees. The Guru is the devotee of the disciple. <laughs> you think I'll be talking to you if you don't ask me? If you don't come and sit here? If you come and sit here, you go to all the trouble to come here, you know, uh, then, huh? then that forces me to come here, doesn't it? Then I'm here because you want it. But if you don't come here, am I going to come to Bad Meinberg and, and go in an empty room and talk to talk Vedanta? <laughs> huh? just, just imagine, there's nobody here but me, and I'm like, I'm like talking Vedanta. <laughs> I'm not talking Vedanta. I'm only talking Vedanta because you want me to talk Vedanta. That's all. I got other things I could do, but since you, your love is, is is controlling me. Your love of the truth, your love of knowledge, your love of freedom is controlling me. I have to be here. I have to do what you say. You're, huh? I'm your servant. I'm you looking after be. you. That's my job. Because you're God, and God tells me, okay, man, I wish I'd never written the damn book, tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happily fishing uh, you know, in my boat in the river. <laughs> so Ishwar definitely can respond. Great teacher. And so he says that the means for discovering it. Uh, great teachers have declared the means for achieving non-dual devotion. Uh, yeah, okay. So in other words, it's a scriptural thing. It's a, the reason we say great teachers is because that Narada means what? Even though Narada was an enlightened person, Narada means what? This is not my teaching. He's, he's referring here to the tradition. He's saying, this is the Lord's words, huh? and it comes from these great teachers. And it's always the same teaching over and over and over again, handed down from one generation to the next. And, and how do you get devotion? Okay. This is, this is not rocket science here. One achieves devotion by worshiping the Lord all the time. Okay. This is your checklist. I worship you. In other words, I'm now, uh, if I'm committed to freedom and non-dual love, then I'm going to have to monitor my mind and my thoughts and see what? If I'm thinking of the Lord all the time. That's karma yoga. That's yana yoga. Karma yoga is I thinking of the Lord when I act, and yana yoga is thinking of the Lord when I think and feel. Bhakti yoga is when I'm thinking of the Lord when I'm feeling, and karma and yana yoga is I'm thinking of the Lord when I'm thinking. I have to bring the Lord into every activity. And in that way, I convert my worldly vasanas into spiritual vasanas. And that produces a kind of uh, sattvic environment, a sattvic state of mind. And then this, uh, then you just grow, 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 grow. Yes, sir. Yes, Thomas.
don't want to sound provocative, but isn't this... You could provoke me. <laughs> <laughs> isn't this a sort of multitasking? I mean, to, to deal with the world on the one hand, and on the other hand, to keep God in, in mind? Well, isn't it what? Multitasking. Uh, no. No? No. No, it isn't because when you when when you act when you want something and you're thinking about doing something some action what do you do? You offer it to God. When a thought comes, you accept it as a gift from God, and you look at it. Okay, one after the other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the actions in in Maya, and the actions in time. In other words, the devotee that he's talking about here is in time. So you're doing things one after another. This is about doing and doings in time. So it's not multitasking in the sense that you're not doing it simultaneously, but you're associating your love for God with your actions and with your thoughts and with your feelings. Okay. So it is duality. No, you know, like, like if you if you if you if you get angry, now you don't get angry, do you? I mean, you you don't do you don't do anger, do you? Huh? In other words, you don't think I, I, I need to get angry, and then you get angry, do you? Huh? Something happens and anger comes up. Isn't that right? You, you, huh? Try to get angry now. Okay, let's see. If you're the doer of the anger, then try to get angry now. It's not difficult to be. No, you can do it now. I can, I can do it. I can get angry. You have to. Yeah, create. but that's that's not anger because what you you're just creating. No, that you're creating it. Then you're just acting anger. Yeah. You can do that. Sure, I can and do you're it. You're angry. Huh? No, you're not angry, actually. That you're creating it. Anger is different. Anger huh, is unconscious. Uh, uh, if it was a valuable thing, if it was a value, it was a it was a pleasurable thing. Then you'd consciously be angry all day long, wouldn't you? No, but if you have a thought in your mind, I take a thought in my mind. I hate somebody, and then I breathe in a certain rhythm into that thought then anger is there. I experience anger. I can experience sadness, just a thought of loss, breathing in the thought, and I feel uh, tremendous sad. This is what actors do. Actors, but you have ob objective in your thought. There is a thought. Yeah, what's wrong with this idea? That Alf has put. What, what's your argument, Alf? I don't understand. <laughs> that you can, you can, you can make yourself angry. Well, well, sure, but, that, but as you it said, that's just an acting. Then, then, then if a, if anger is a is a lovely thing to do, no. then you should be acting angry all the time, <laughs> huh? If if anger is bliss, if anger is bhakti, if anger is joy. Then, then act be act angry all the time. But you can't even do that, can you? Huh? How, how long can you stay angry? Huh? You can't. I, I talked about this. Huh? No, unless you don't know that it's anger. There are people 
who, who are angry all the time, but they don't know it. That, that's why you have this psycho psychological thing of feel your feelings. Now, why would you have to tell somebody to feel their feelings? Huh? Because they're so unconscious, they don't know what they're feeling. You can see that they're angry, but they can't see that they're angry. So you tell them, feel your feelings. Understand? But if anger was a great feeling, then just feel it all the time, and then that's bhakti. That's not bhakti. So whenever you have a feeling, you have to what what uh, that that's inimical to what. Remember, we're trying to get a sattvic mind here. We're trying to grow, and so we only want energies in our mind that what that are conducive to spiritual growth. Now, anger is not conducive to spiritual growth. It needs to be converted into bhakti, into love. Now, how do you convert anger into love? You offer the anger to Lord, to the self. What does that mean? You know, you surrender the anger or the, the desire, whatever it is, a positive or negative force, you surrender it to the Lord. What does that mean, surrender to the Lord? To offer or consecrate to the Lord. What's that mean? Karma Yoga. Karma Yoga. You realize what? That actually you didn't get angry. This is, this is my point. When you started this argument, my point is that you don't get angry. Anger happens when one of your likes and dislikes uh, is contradicted by a circumstance that's taking place in the world. You got angry at me because of a circumstance years ago. You got really angry at me because of a circumstance, but you didn't decide to get angry. The anger just came when you discovered this circumstance and you became angry with me. That's how it is. Now that means what? I didn't create the anger. Ishwar created the circumstances that produce the anger, and therefore the anger is on Ishwar. So I say, rather than feeling guilty and feeling bad for feeling angry, I say, okay, Lord, this is for you. Because I didn't, well, I didn't decide to be angry. I'm not the doer of the anger. Huh? You're the doer of the anger. That's why we say Ishwar is the doer. Huh? Well, that Ishwar isn't a doer, but it's a, this is a helpful thought. With reference to what happens, Ishwar is a doer. Ishwar is actually free of action, but so. Yes, sir. That also sounds a little bit like uh, relieving yourself from responsibility. Well, it does. And yeah, and this is why this is, this is a very oh. subtle thing. You know, we call, they also call that the Advaita Shuffle. The Advaita Shuffle is putting the responsibility on somewhere on someone else uh, that belongs to you. Now this is actually, now I remember, I, this was a part of Karma Yoga I didn't tell you. And I, I was trying to think what I didn't tell you that was important to know. And now that comes up, and so now Ishwar, see, I, huh? <laughs> I didn't remember it. Uh, circumstances caused me to remember it. Ishwar says, I, don't, I remember and forget. You don't actually remember or forget. Ishwar says, I remember and forget. Now Ishwar is telling me what I, huh? it's making me remember. Huh? <clears throat> Understand? So, so, um, 
we call it the Advaita shuffle. Now, you do have a certain responsibility. This is your question, right? You're saying, huh? In karma yoga, what is your, or in any, any, in any action, karma yoga, yana yoga, you do have a certain responsibility. And what is that? That you, because you, it's an, it's, it's a, it's a, you're in duality. You're the doer in Ishwara, the, the, the doer of the action and the results of the action. Ishwara is the result, uh, is, is the guy that takes care of the results. But the jiva is the one that does the action. Now, the, 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 the jiva is only going to get a favorable result if the action is what? Appropriate and timely. So, huh? So if you do an action that's not appropriate to the situation, you will not definitely not get the results. And if you don't do the action at the right time, you won't get the results. So you can blame yourself for, for procrastinating, for instance. That's what I'm worrying about now. I got a procrastination issue because I got a deadline and I can't get on the internet to solve this thing and that the thing's going to change in a little while and if I don't do the action on the internet then I don't get the result and then I have a whole lot of other problems coming out so I got this uh, stress uh, around that particular problem understand so so jiva has to what Actions are only going to fructify in any situations if they're timely. In other words, you do it at the right time. If you do it too soon, if you've got too many fears or too many desires, and you do an action too soon, it won't produce the right result. If you wait too long, it also will not produce the right result. You have to do it in a timely fashion. This is why karma yoga is so valuable because karma yoga is you offload the desire and the fear uh, before you do the action so that your mind isn't disturbed when you do the action and then you can do you can rationally uh, act in an appropriate and timely fashion. But if you if you don't offer the 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 anxiety for the result to Ishwara first, your mind will be agitated when it's time to do the action and you won't do the time at the right time or you won't go to the right place to do the action. The situation, you'll, you'll do the action in the wrong situation or in the right situation, you'll do the wrong action. <laughs> so Jiva does have a responsibility here. But as far as the result... Uh, because he's good. And so did that take care of it? Kind of. Uh, yeah. And so, and so uh, uh, well, okay. But the question <laughs> is, uh, then what? Then so, there, so there's no Ishwar that I'm totally responsible for everything that happens to me. In a way, I mean, if you also think about all the karma with the uh, Chanchita, Agami, Parabda, yeah. whatever action that you do, uh, that will bring a, a result that you give to Ishvara, and that in the next life you have to relieve, you have to leave your karma. Every action that you do, you are responsible for the, the the life that Ishvara gives you right now. But you have to act responsibly, or you have to give answers because to be uh, res, uh, responsible is to give answers to what comes to you. So Ishvara gives you something, and you give an answer to Ishvara. Yeah. Right? right, so you are responsible also for the action that you do. 
because you're responsible for your karma, you're responsible also for the life that Ishwar will give you. Yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah, you are, but but <laughs> yeah, the argument that you use yeah. can also be used to, I can kill whatever I want. Yeah. But I'm free of this. Yeah. Because that... I'm not jiva, I'm not death, I'm not, so I'm always free. And this is uh, mm. kind of a, it's it's an act of bad faith. He's talking about the results and the consequences of your act acting. Meaning, you take care of your actions, you. You act in accordance to Dharma because you know who you are, you know that your nature love is and you don't want to injure other people and you care about yourself and the results of those actions. But what happens is not up to you because we, we, we mentioned he mentioned that before, you know, the field is going to respond in a set there are many factors having an effect on the consequences of those actions, you know? You put your action in the world, and then there are things happening, right? Yeah, because you you do your best intention, you're I totally know. responsible, but then bad things can happen. The things you, that you don't want to, uh, to happen can happen and will happen. But that's also in the, in the, in the view that I know exactly my dharma, I know all of this, but most where where did you get your desires and your actions in the first place? Because none of those actions, huh? Where, where did they come from in the very beginning? Well, some of them were given by my parents. No, they weren't. No. Did you did you create your body? Did you create your mind? Did you create your feelings? Did you create your vasanas? Did you create the world? No, there's not one thing you created. You didn't give anything. You're not a doer. You're not a giver. You're not a creator. You're, huh? Every single thing that we have as human as, as human being is comes from Ishwara, doesn't it? Can can you tell? Can you honestly say there's one thing that you created that wasn't already present? You're we're born into a setup, huh? Everything's already present. So, so, huh? It's this setup that also allows you not to be responsible. Well, either you, no, the yeah, yeah, that's right, that, that's right. Well, you don't understand your dharma, and you are irresponsible. Yeah, no, you have, that's right. You have, you have free will. You can violate dharma, or you can yeah. conform to dharma. You have free will. Yeah. But as a, as a jiva, what what is the as a jiva who wants to be free, what what's what's the best attitude to take? Karma yoga, which means I have to consecrate my actions to Ishwara. Now you're absolutely free to to to, to violate dharma. Ishwara is not. If you violate dharma, Ishwara will give you results that are that are what appropriate for violation of dharma. This is why people get bad results. And Ishwar is happy to give them bad results. Ishwar said, well, it's not up to me, it's up to you. You did this, so this is the result when you do this. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? But that, doesn't that happen exactly because I, I think I am the jiva? No, it happens no matter what you think. The fact that you, what about the thought, I think I'm the jiva, where did you get that? Ishwar. <laughs> huh? 
Ishwara factor in. 